Hello, and welcome back to the Beyond the Page podcast. My name is Ardia Eichner, and I am the editor-in-chief of the Prism Arts and Literary Journal. And I am Lauren Miller, the assistant editor of Prism. And today we have a special treat, um, because Lauren is going to be reading for us a piece of literature that she wrote last year. Yeah. So um, for context, this was for one of my classes that I did freshman year. It was my first term, and I really enjoyed it. Um, I particularly like this story quite a bit. It's called Unveiling, and it's this little short story, and it's about a girl who finds out that she's not exactly what she's supposed to be. Ooh. (laughs) All right. I'm excited. All righty. Unveiling. For as long as I can remember, I have had a different definition of reality. I was a child, maybe five or six years old, whenever I started to have vivid memories of my time somewhere else. The dirt would be moist from the rain, piling up onto the wooden log that I embellished. There were pink and yellow plastic animals for me to grab the slimy handle with my plump hands and saddle the slick seat with my bum. The dirt crumbled off my hands as I swung myself back and forth. My life outside of reality was mundane, and I loved it. If my mother told me that the park was closed or that we couldn't go to that river, or maybe we shouldn't get that piece of candy, I knew at night that I could get what I wanted. It never shocked or scared me to not have my parent around. It was normal and nothing extremely bad would happen to me. It's the closest thing that I think people have to dreams, and when I heard my classmates talk about their weird hallucinations, I pondered how unrealistic the situation sounded. They went to Mars, or on a cloud, or flying through Manhattan with underwear on. My dreams felt realistic. I couldn't fly, nor run super fast, nor scream super loud. I was normal, and I wanted to be like them. It made me crave the idea of crazy dreams. I'll say it like this. Whenever I go to sleep, I go to a different place, whether it be Rome, Berlin, China, an island, anywhere you can imagine. I vary in between time periods, once falling upon ancient Greece in the reign of Elizabeth II. But I will never, ever visit twice. I never meet the same people another time. I started to realize that what I had wasn't normal around my middle school years. It was in the fall, nearing wintertime, and the leaves still remained golden. Aisles of red, orange, and yellow spotches of leaves would fill the sidewalk as I went to school. I had experienced the great pyramids being built the night before, sitting on the stacks of limestone and playing with sticks on the surface. I sat next to Samantha, a girl with vibrant, long red hair that complemented her pale skin and freckles. She looked over at me, whispering, I had a bad dream. Oh, I exclaimed. It wasn't the first time she had told me about a bad dream. The last time it was a dragon eating her, the next it was falling into a worm of slugs, Bigfoot chasing after her, that kind of stuff. Stuff that would never, in our lifetimes, would ever happen. What about? I asked. She shuffled closer to me, peering down with sullen eyes. I got lost, and a strange man took me. Huh, I nodded, shuffling back to a comfortable distance. This had happened a couple times before. Once in Boston, then in China, a few times in the Middle Ages. And, needless to say, I turned out just fine. I would wake up a few minutes after the abduction without a spot on me, laying in my bed the next morning. Sounds bad, I exclaimed. Bad? Samantha questioned. Yes, bad. Not really bad? She questioned again. I paused. What do you mean? I mean, she reared her vision to the side. That's a realistic dream. That could happen. I nodded again. I'm aware, I said tersely. I didn't see anything particularly shocking about her dream. It was closer to what mine would be like, yes, but it wasn't anything to whine about. She glared at me, not receiving the comforting that she craved, expected, 
desired, and ran over to the teacher. After a few hours of absence, Samantha came back in and the teacher pulled me over to the side, telling me that dreams like this were very important and that if you or your friend had one, to notify an adult immediately. I told her that this kind of thing had happened to me multiple times and it wasn't anything to stress about. I was put into counseling for the majority of my middle school years and my parents were questioned multiple times about my apparent absences. I had the sudden realization that I wasn't normal, that this shouldn't happen. I shouldn't be able to get out of the situations and I shouldn't be able to go somewhere different every night and I shouldn't be in compromising moments and I shouldn't be in different time periods. But I was, and there wasn't anything I could do about it. If I died, I merely woke up. If I did something wrong, there were no repercussions. People in the real world were terrified of moving for fear of failure, yet shunned me whenever I did what I wanted to do. I grew and isolated in my classes, whispers going behind my ears and through the halls, quiet all the way through my high school years. It was sickening, and I was superior. Part 2 I walk out of my office on a Tuesday afternoon, I'm assuming. I lose track of time often. My coworker waves at me, smiling cheek to cheek, pink shades rumbling through their face. I smile back, gracefully waving goodbye as I take my lunch break. My heels clack on the sidewalk of 4th Street, approaching the one and only Papa's Pork Cork, a busty diner serving the most delicious pulled pork sandwich I've ever experienced. It has to be the special sauce, I'm sure of it. I order the sandwich to go, making haste to get it done with my lunch break early so that I could get working back in the office. I'm one step away from being executive director, and I'm sure I'll get the position. As I walk, my eyes settle at the paper on the corner. Not a normal occurrence, since daily events don't particularly interest me anymore, but I took one out of the container anyways. I sit down on the bench in front of me, slightly wet from the rainfall the night before, sinking into the bottom of my leggings. I cringe at the contact, but make haste in opening the slightly damp paper and reading through it. As I look up, a waft of familiar cologne runs by. A man in his late 20s, wearing a beige coat and slacks, walks by. I freeze. I try to perform a double take, but he's too far ahead to get a good glimpse at again. He looks like the man at the bar last week, divorced and heartbroken, whom I made out with and ordered an Uber for at 3 a.m. Did that actually happen? I don't think so. Maybe it was a wreck of vision, a simple mistake. Stuff like that doesn't happen often, but when it does, it really doesn't. I take a deep breath and proceed to read the paper. Time goes by. I fold up the newspaper, done and useless, and throw it in the trash. A dog bumps into my leg near the trash can. Weird. That was my neighbor's dog a few years ago. My mind starts to do 180s. Was that two in a row? No way. That's like seeing zebras every day. I pace ahead, normal, faster than I normally would, trudging toward my office. The lights are on in broad daylight, something that I never thought that a city worrying about power outages would do, but did nonetheless. I wave to the gelato stand owner named Mary, the homeless man named Albert, and I run by my nail technician on the way back. I know them. I've mingled with them more than once before, multiple times even. I've developed relationships with them. I've seen them in the night and in the afternoon. They stick. They're stuck. I walk back into my office, collapsing into my seat, exhausted. My body stretches out, interlacing my fingers and extending my arms over my head. I crack my knuckles before crossing my legs and placing my fingers onto the keyboard, starting up the internet browser. Hey, Charles, my coworker, came up beside me with a caring facade. Do you remember that assignment I gave to you on Thursday? Thursday, Thursday. There wasn't much on Thursday. I was investigating a murder case in Berlin, but that was sure for sure in the other reality. Assignment, I ask? James Colbin, Charles stated. Serial killer in the 1980s. 
charged and arrested on 15 accounts of manslaughter. How's that going? I looked at him, eyes wide and a blank face. It's, it's, it's going all right, I pondered out loud. It's not like you to forget things, he said. But it's, few, it's due in a few hours and you haven't sent it to me to fact check it. Wanted to make sure you're good. Charles was a good man. Sweet, almost. Caring, young, a bit handsome. If I knew any better, I'd be attracted to him. But it was at times like this that he really pissed me off. I'm great, I smiled back to him. I'll make sure to get it to you on time. Charles nodded, patting my armrest one more time before turning and going down the hallway. I waited until he turns the corner before I look back at the screen ahead of me. I'm confused. And as I'm confused, I feel a wave of nausea surge through my body. I cut my mouth with both of my hands, whipping off my heels and beelining it to the women's restroom. I swing the door open, locking myself into the nearest stall. I begin profusely vomiting, shocking myself. The green liquid with pale brown chucks surge out of my body, emptying my guts and stomach. I feel empty to the pulp. I heave, trying to catch my breath before feeling the liquid bellow up through my esophagus once again. What did I eat to make me feel so sick? I haven't eaten much today. A pork sandwich from pork cork has never made me sick. I ate a suspicious meal about three days ago, and I went to a sketchy restaurant the other day in the other reality. But did I eat that? Did I eat that pork sandwich? Have I eaten? I walk back into the office and look down into the trash can. No paper, no food wrappings, no eraser shavings, or coffee cups at all. No sign of use. But I swore I had walked to the office this morning, and I ran into Derek, the construction worker, who was a really burly man, and then I went into the coffee shop on the 6th to pick up a latte, and I almost stretched my ankle. And uh, When I got here, Jess greeted me. And I went up here, threw my coffee away, and worked on the Cincinnati shooting case. But maybe I didn't. I walk over to ask Charles if Jess was in this morning, and he states that she quit a few months ago, that I had been in the office all day, and that I had never went out to take a break. But maybe I did. Maybe I did, just not here, where it actually matters, where my livelihood actually depends on what I do. But maybe I didn't. But maybe I did. But maybe I don't know. That's really interesting. I like that a lot. <laughs> okay, well, is there anything you would like me to explain? Because I feel like that was like kind of hard to hear and not like read, if that makes sense. I mean, I think like if there's anything about it that you want to sort of go through, I'd be happy to hear it. Yeah. So the summary is, a girl, she has one reality that's always permanent, like we do every day. And then whenever she goes to sleep, she'll go into a different time period. And the story is about her not realizing what is real and what is fake now because she's had to deal with that so often and sort of seeing what it's like to not know where you are in life. It's a little it's surreal, right? Yes, it's a little bit surreal. I think you captured that feeling really well, though. <laughs> okay. Of the, like, anxiousness of being, like, you know, which parts of what is happening right now are actually happening right now. Thank you. If this was a longer story, the idea, like, actually what had happened was that she had committed an error in the other reality. And so a person came up in the true reality and was like, you've done something wrong and now it's your time to pay for it, basically. And so now she can't, like, decipher what's what. Basically, like, what you have done in the reality where you've had no repercussions is finally going to have an effect on what things you actually care about sort of thing. Um, it took, like, a more, like, it was more of like a character piece. Yeah. It wasn't more of like a plot piece. It was more, this is how I'm feeling and I don't know how what to do with it. And then if I could have expanded this, I would have put in those other elements as well. 
Yeah. So. And I think that even the part that you did do just had like a really fun, surreal feeling. And it sort of leaves it open to like, okay, so if this is this person's experience, what else could happen to them, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So thank you. Um, Hope you enjoyed. If you're confused, that's the point. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, that's that. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for letting me read today. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Well, thank you for reading. So we have a blog called the Back Matter Blog. We post every Tuesday and Thursday. Um, If you're listening to this on iTunes, you can head over there. And if you're listening to this on the blog, make sure to stay tuned every Tuesday and Thursday. Follow us on our social media and have a great, wonderful rest of your day. Thanks for coming. Bye-bye.